Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Sitting down with me here now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Lusharita McKinney. Lusharita, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on the show. It's even greater that you have a book out in stores. It's called The Six Secrets of Annalisa. Can you tell me all about the book? Yes. Annalisa is a story of an everyday child moving to a new location with her family and discovering life's mysteries from a child's point of view. Hmm. Lashrita, what sort of readers did you have in mind for it? Juvenile readers from ages five and up. And how did you get the idea for this? Where did the inspiration for The Six Secrets of Annalisa come from? It came from, I was reading this book, I can't think of the name of it, and it just really, it was so intriguing that I wanted to write a book. And how long did that take you, both the writing part of it and then the part where you had to go through the publishing process? It took me about a month to write the book and about a year to publish it. And what was it like after all that time of working on this book? When you finally got that first copy in, you got to hold it for the first time. What was going through your head? Oh, my goodness. I was so overwhelmed just to hold it and to see it, just to see my little character, you know, come to life. And it was just, oh, just so amazing. <laughs> Have you given thought to writing more after this? Maybe a follow-up to The Six Secrets of Annalisa or maybe something different in the future? Yes, I do have a follow-up, hmm. Annalisa Chapter 2. Do you have them planned out further than that, or do you think you'll wrap things up with Number 2? I think I'm going to have more chapters. Hmm. Yes, maybe about four or five more chapters. Yeah. A lot of people listening to us right now are authors who are just starting out. So, Lusharita, do you have any words of advice that you could offer them? Yes. If you can think it, write it. And it's hard to go at this kind of thing alone. There's so much work, a lot of time involved. Lusharita, do you have people in your life who knew you were doing this book and they could be there to motivate you and keep you going? Yes, my friends and family. Hmm. And when you sit down to read, you know, so many writers love to read as well. Lusharita, what kinds of things do you find yourself getting lost in? Fiction and nonfiction, both. Do you ever hit those challenges when you're writing, like writer's block? Maybe you just get stuck for ideas. You have no idea where to go next. Yes, I have done that. Do you have a strategy for getting yourself back in the groove? Give myself time to think, and then something comes over me. Well, I have to write. LaSharita, what's the most rewarding aspect now for you of being a published author now? Oh, my just knowing that my book is worldwide and it'll be able to help children that, you know, have low self-esteem, have high self-esteem after reading this little book. Mm. What did you find to be the most challenging part of writing the book? You know, there's the writing, there's the publishing, picking out the illustrations and cover. What was the most challenging part for you? I guess just, oh, getting started. Just basically making myself do it. Just do it. Mm. 
You know, oftentimes it's just getting yourself to write those first words, and then once you get started, then it starts flowing. That's the truth, yes. When it came to the cover and different illustrations that you needed for this book, LaSharita, what kind of a process was that? Was that an easy one? Yes, they had illustrations for me, and I just picked the illustration that I thought would best fit my character. When you sit down to write, LaSharita, do you like to write really early in the morning or maybe really late at night? Or are you maybe one of those kind of writers that writes whenever you get the time and ideas coming to you? That's it. When an idea pops in my head, <laughs> it can be over in the middle of the night. I need to get up and I go to my office and I start writing. So overall, did you find The Six Secrets of Annalicia an easy book or a tough book to write for you? Uh, it was easy. I know a lot of listeners, a lot of readers out there are going to love this book. It's called The Six Secrets of Annalicia. It's written by Lusharita McKinney, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Lusharita, thank you again for joining me at the Reader House Author Roundtable and telling me all about The Six Secrets of Annalicia. I hope we get to talk again sometime. All right. Thank you so much. The Quill Conspiracy. That's the title of the new book, Just Hits Store Shelves. It's written by Joseph R. Mullen. And Joseph is sitting right beside me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about this book. Joseph, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Joseph, could you tell me all about The Quill Conspiracy? What can readers expect here? The Quill Conspiracy is a science fiction adventure takes place in the future. There has been a war between Earth and an alien race. Earth has managed to push the aliens back to just beyond Saturn and then set up a series of forts between Jupiter and Saturn. And occasionally they'll send a fighter around to the backside of Saturn to see what's going on back there. But only the fighter comes back and not the pilot. Hmm. But now the war has gone cold for roughly two decades. The quill have gone home. The alien race, the quill. They've gone home. There's nothing to fear out there anymore. So what they start doing is retiring, forced retirement, if you will, the top people in Earth Force, including the top strategists who helped drive them back, and then a general who was appointed by the Earth president. And then they start moving battleships and fighters out of the front lines and to the rear. And then in the midst of all this, the vice president of Earth passes away. So now it becomes, you know, is it just a series of coincidences that this is all happening? Or is there a traitor in Earth Force itself? Hmm. And people who are loyal to the top strategist, the guy by the name of Carl Craig, are trying to find him, seek him out, get him back into the fold of Earth Force. But he's gone into hiding on Earth, and nobody can seem to find him. Oh, then I almost forgot the one important step. There is a cruise liner that suddenly shows up at the forts. Huh. Somebody has taken a cruise ship, which they used to do before the war, and they would go out just to Saturn, turn around, and come back. Well, this cruise liner went out, and an alien weapon came up from Saturn itself and fired at it and killed thousands of people. So now this thing is sitting there, and everybody has to figure out how to eliminate the new threat that nobody has ever seen before. And that's basically the whole gist of the story. Wow, what a ride. Joseph, how'd you get the idea for this? Where did the idea for the story come from? Well, the whole thing started with just the line, the war came, the war that nobody wanted, 
the war that everybody saw coming. And then it went from there. And while I was writing it, I was thinking of my next story, which would have been some kind of a disaster in space. Being a child of the early 1970s, you saw all these disaster movies, The Towering Inferno, The Poseidon Adventure, Earthquake. And I figured, well, let's take one of them and we'll just move it out into space. And then as I was writing the story, I'm like, well, why don't I just incorporate it here? Save a little bit of time, just put a little disaster in there and we'll go from there. I love it. That's how that all happened. Wow. Have you ever done anything like this before? Have you ever written or been published? I have one other book that's published. It's called Fork Cowboys, which is a paranormal western. And about how long did it take you to write the Quill Conspiracy from beginning to end? Amazingly, the Quill Conspiracy came very quick, and it took less than five months to write the whole thing. Oh, wow. And once you got that physical copy in, and you got to hold this book you've been working on all that time, what was that moment like for you, Joseph? Oh, it was fascinating. I'd always wanted to be a writer, you know, but life kind of got in the way. (laughs) (laughs) And I just recently retired, and my wife said, well, go ahead, start writing again. We'll see where it goes, and if if it looks good, if it reads good, we'll see about getting it published. Hmm. What are the chances of a sequel to The Quill Conspiracy? I hadn't planned on one for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry sorry to say I had not planned on that one for that one. I do have other stories that I've written. There's actually one out on the internet on Wattpad.com called The Green Haunting. Now that I plan on making into a series of stories. Mm, Wonderful. I know a lot of readers are really going to love this book, and I think you ought to check it out. It's called The Quill Conspiracy. It's written by Joseph R. Mullen. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can find this book everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Joseph, it's been great talking with you tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show and telling me about everything you're doing. It's been a pleasure talking with you, too. There's a new children's book out in stores right now written by Alexis Hunter. It's called Allison's Adventure, and we're going to talk all about it right now. Allison is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. What can people expect when they open up Allison's Adventure? Well, honestly, it's just a cute little story about a little girl who is going on an adventure to find one of her favorite pets. And what sorts of age range do you think would really be into this book? It really is just a children's book. So anywhere from me personally, I absolutely loved and still do love reading to my daughter. Mm. Even when she was just a newborn, I didn't care. I read to her anyway. <laughs> and even now with her being almost two, she loves gibbering about whatever she sees on the pictures. And mm. so I would say probably zero to six or seven. Alexis, how were you inspired to write this book? Where did the idea for the story come from? I have a public health person who comes to my house once a month and I was kind of feeling down in the dumps with the postpartum depression and she's like well what's something you've always wanted to do doesn't matter how big or how small what is it and I said I would absolutely love to write a book Hmm. and she says really and I said yeah and she said well I think you should try it just little tiny things like write a sentence a day. I don't care. You just need to get out of the slumps and start writing. Mm. 
Mm, wonderful. Writing is, in fact, great therapy. It has a way of letting you get your thoughts out and often just lifting your mood up. Yeah. So this is your first book. Congratulations. How long Thank of a process you. was this for you? I would say the entire thing, probably about a year. And after that year of the hard work that you put into it, Alexis, tell me about that moment when you finally got to hold it in your hands. It came in the mail. You got to hold this book for the first time. I was absolutely beaming. I loved it so much. <laughs> it was crazy to be able to physically hold it and flip through the pages. And I was even more so excited to give it to my daughter because mm. the book was for her. I wrote it for her. <laughs> And she loves it. She loves it to pieces. We read it once a day. And it is so cool to see her, like, recognizing me and herself and all of our animals. Alexis, what are the chances that we can find you writing more books in the future? I think I'm definitely going to do so. I already have a few in progress. Wonderful. And I can't wait to get those out there as well. Now that you are a published author, Alexis, what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? Being able to have my dream come to life. Like it was part of my bucket list. I really wanted to get that done. And I like being able to tell people that your dreams can become a reality. And I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of writing your book and publishing your book. Oh, 100%. You know, a lot of people listening to us right now are authors who are right in that same spot. They haven't written. They're just getting started. So, Alexis, any words of wisdom that you could throw their way? Honestly, for me, that would be finding the right publishing company. Mm. Because who you work with 100% will affect the outcome. Something that's so important in children's books is the illustrations and the cover. Alexis, what kind of a process was that for you? Was that a fairly smooth one? Yes, 100% actually, and I really mm. appreciated it too. I wanted to do the illustrations, but with being a new mother, <laughs> I didn't think I could accomplish that. Mm. So getting the help was, I think, the right decision. And of course, basing all of my characters off of real life, it was really easy to just send in pictures to those illustrators. Hmm. And I know a lot of kids, a lot of families will really love this book. It's titled Allison's Adventure. It's written by Alexis Hunter and is published by Covenant Books. And of course, you can find it everywhere, like on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble and iTunes, also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Alexis, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about Allison's Adventure. I had such a nice time chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much for having me. There's a new exciting novel in stores now. It's written by Joshua Martin. It's called Vigilante Blood. I'm really happy that Josh is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about the book. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. Josh, can you tell me all about Vigilante Blood? What can readers expect here? Oh, absolutely. So it takes place in a small town, and it's not exactly what you would assume it would be. You know, everybody thinks small town, oh, it must be low crime and very comfortable living. The comfortable living, yes, but the low crime, no. There is a secret organization that's been pulling the strings of the whole entire community for decades. And not only that, there are two serial killers on the loose wreaking havoc. Wow, Josh, you got to tell me, how did the idea for this book come about? 
So it's a continuation of my first book, Blood Letters. Hmm. And in this book, I really wanted to see what would happen if I put my main character, Lynn Poker, in a scenario where she would have to compromise her values and her beliefs on the hopes of maybe getting her happy ending. So all of this kind of was swirling around in my head, and I thought, you know, I'd be very entertained. <laughs> Josh, would you say that fans of the crime thriller would be big fans of your book? I would think so. There's also elements of mystery and suspense. So if you're looking for a mystery, there's this, and you know, there's also the suspense and the thriller. So there's a little bit of everything in it. There's also some romance. So you mentioned this was the continuation of your first book, Josh. Do you have plans for another after this? Is the story going to go on? Oh, yes, yes. I'm not done with my characters yet. There are several adventures I'd like them to go on, but the third book is definitely going to be a follow-up. It's going to follow our main character to see if she really does get her happy ending. So I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, you should be. Josh, about how long does it take you to write a novel like this and then put it through all those publishing processes? So it took me about a year. I'll walk you a little bit through my process. So I write everything down first because I never know if I'm going to keep it that way or not. So Mm. once I've done handwriting it, I go ahead and I type it all. And that's when I really do my heavy editing and my reviewing. And, well, maybe I'll kill off this character. Maybe I'll save this character. And then I give it to my very, very best friend. And she and I go over it. And she's like, well, you know, there's some things that you could change here. You know, definitely work on your editing and everything. It's a really fun process. Sometimes it's longer than that. I think with my first book, it took me about two years just Mm. because I was trying to figure the flow of everything. But this second book, Vigilante Blood, definitely went a lot smoother, I feel. Mm. I love that you hand write out your first draft. When you go to do that, do you have the whole story outlined in your head? Do you know how everything's going to go from beginning to end? Or do you start writing and just see kind of where it goes? I kind of let the characters lead me, as silly Mm. as that sounds. I don't always have, you know, an idea set in stone. Like, I didn't go in planning on having a detective character at all, because as much as I enjoy watching those types of shows, I'm really not great at (laughs) putting puzzles together. (laughs) So it was kind of a fun experience to really delve in with this character. It it wasn't necessarily me. It was the character. Mm. And then when you throw serial killers into the mix, it gets even more interesting because you have to do the research and you have to, you know, kind of see all right, what would my character do if this was happening? And so it's definitely a journey. Mm, Absolutely. Josh, did you find the writing part more challenging or the publishing part more challenging? Definitely the publishing part. Mm. (laughs) No one really prepares you for the interaction of, well, I don't really have an agent. I just kind of submit to various publishers and hope that they pick me. And I'm very grateful and blessed that, you know, I have been chosen twice. But you have to really weed through all of the possibilities Mm -hmm. because not everyone is up front with you. There's sometimes hidden costs and hidden fees, and then you have to figure out how you're going to balance your budget. So it's definitely a learning curve. (laughs) I encourage my listeners to go check this book out. It's bound to be really exciting. It's titled Vigilante Blood, written by Joshua Martin, published by Fulton Books and available everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Josh, thank you again for coming on the show, telling me about Vigilante Blood and everything else you got going on. I had a good time talking with you tonight. Thank you so much, Corey. I really enjoyed myself. Right next to me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Kelly Paul. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me tonight. 
Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. It's very exciting for you. You have a new book out. It's called In Search of My Turquoise Necklace, Michael's Story. Kelly, can you tell me about the book? Yeah, it's the second book. I have a first book, A Little Madness, Beyond Imagination, where I introduced my struggle with bipolar disorder and also my introduction to some of the um, like the spirit guides and angels. Hmm. And then this book, it happened because Michael helped me write the first book and, the, and some of the other angels. And then on the second book, The Turquoise Necklace, Michael actually took my turquoise necklace out of my drawer somehow, and he admitted he did it. And since then, he's moved and taken some other things like uh, my medicine and a key to my hotel just for me to know that he's there. Mm. And then the new book, In Search of My Turquoise Necklace, I wrote it to know that the angels are here to help and support us. And Michael feels that the end of the world is near. And he wants to give us a preview of what's important, what's to come. He feels that this book is very important for everyone to read. And another thing, we want to educate the world about mental illness Mm. because he feels mental illness is part of God or the universe. There may be some chemicals in the universe that contribute to the mental illness. Mm. Kelly, how long did it take you to write this book? It only took me about... I don't know, two months to write the first book, and only about a month to write the second book. The second book went real fast. And then I might even write a third book, which will kind of summarize everything to date, and I'm not ready to write that quite yet. Now, before the first book, had you ever written or published anything? The only thing, I, I'm a lawyer, and um, I went to law school, and I did publish a pamphlet about the new, at that time, paternity blood test. That's the only thing I've ever published besides these two books. Hmm. You got to tell me about the day that your physical copies came in of these books and you got to hold it for the first time. It must have been quite a moment for you. It was. It was really, especially the first book, because I had to go through everything. It was all new to me. And I did have, you know, of course, a preview of the cover page of the, each book. And I had to approve that. And I also had to approve the last page, the back cover of each book. I wrote a summary about each book on the back cover. And I didn't include any information about my own biography or anything because my family wanted me to use a pen name instead. And I'm sure you've learned an awful lot along the way of writing and publishing. So, Kelly, do you have any words of wisdom that you have to offer the new authors out there? Yeah, you know what? Just start writing. Just start writing. And then it'll just kind of like all come together. And then you need to do, you know, I didn't know anything about publishing. Hmm. So I got online and I sent my manuscript to several publishing companies. And then I chose this one, Fulton. I chose Fulton. Mm-hmm. And then with the second book, everything just went really, really smoothly. Like I knew what to expect. I knew the timeline. But it still takes a while between the time you send in your initial transcript and the time is published. It's, it's, that's about six months, I would say. It takes a while to actually get the book from its origin to being published. Kelly, did you find the writing of this book or the publishing of this book to be the more challenging thing for you? I would say the publishing, because I had been living with some of these relationships, like from the spirit world, like the angels. I didn't know what to really to make of that. So I put down what my experiences were. 
And then, not this January, but last January of 2022, Michael seemed to take more of an interest in me. We co-wrote the second book together. Actually, it was the uh, publishing, I would say, that was more difficult than the writing for some reason. The writing just, it just flowed. It's titled, In Search of My Turquoise Necklace, Michael's Story. This is written by Kelly Paul. It's published by Fulton Books. You can pick it up everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Kelly, thank you again for joining me at the show and telling me about your work. I had a nice time chatting tonight. Okay, thank you very much, Corey. Visions That Kill Her Silence. That's the name of the new book by E.D. Lewis. And E.D. is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to chat all about the book. E.D., welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. E.D., can you tell me what readers can expect when they open up Visions That Kill Her Silence? Well, this book is a very powerful and impactful story on the effects of silencing abuse victims and protecting their abusers. Mm. It's a riveting story and glimpse into the dark side of sexual exploitation by family and relatives. These issues follow Elle as a young woman who's faced with sexual abuse as a child. Her attempts at sharing her story with others after years of being told to be silent, it's been a problem, it's clearly a problem for her as she attempted to speak out. Mm. Those trusted adults encouraged her or threatened her to remain silent. And then ultimately that isolation that continued through Elle's adult life created the demise of Elle's daughter, her own substance abuse that she struggled with for years. But ultimately, this story is a story of resilience and hope mm. for people who are faced with these gruesome issues. Well, this couldn't have been an easy book to write, E.D. How did the inspiration for this come about? Well, emotional pain was a driving factor. After years of keeping a diary as a young girl and then a journal as an adult, I felt the need to organize those thoughts and refine my thoughts and finally just begin writing it down and put it in a book to have it essentially organized and true to the story that I told mm. without being interrupted or dismissed or rejected or even have the story itself be edited. How long of a process was this for you? Well, after many short stories and keeping the journal, I, it took about two years to complete. And is this the first time you've ever done anything like this when it comes to writing and publishing? Yes, it is my first published book. Hmm. And I've always wanted to publish a book. And I actually wrote a manuscript back in 2010, and it was based on these same issues, but I felt like it wasn't written as well as I wanted, and I tossed it aside and was frustrated with the potential publishing process and therefore didn't proceed in any further. But it still sat there in the back of my mind, and I, I always wanted to do it, finally followed through, particularly after the demise of my own daughter's drug addiction. What was it like when you finally got the first copy and you got to physically hold this book you've been working on? Well, I felt very accomplished and relieved. I was amazed. It was done. I did it. I followed through. I was very proud. But I also was stricken with fear, just fear of exposure. And that was that's the whole issue of you know trying to stand up and speak out against these issues, these issues, I think, that have a stigma in society and in families. You know, most family members don't want you to talk about it. Pretend it doesn't happen. Make it go away. 
but never mind how the person who's dealing with it or the victim of these issues, never mind how she must feel growing up or just living every day-to-day life. Mm. I think the biggest fear was related around my own family reading the book as opposed to a stranger reading the book, which just seems odd to me. But after addressing that, I realized that it's not an issue anymore. They're unfounded fears. They're not accurate. Have you given thought to writing another and publishing more after this? Actually, I have, and, well, it's already done. Hmm. Well, I could say I've written another book. The truth is, this book was essentially originally one book, but when my publishing director instructed me that it's just too long, you need to break it up in two, so that's what I did instead of making this one humongous story. Hmm. But the truth is, this is my first published work, but I have the remainder of this story sitting on my computer, ready to be published when the time is right. Wonderful. And I know that a lot of people are going to be helped and encouraged by this book, and I encourage everybody out there to go check this out. The title is Visions That Kill Her Silence. It's written by E.D. Lewis. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing, and you can find it everywhere. Of course, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. E.D., I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about this book and telling me a little bit about your story. I had a great time talking with you here tonight. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. Sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Stacy Graven. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. It's super exciting. You have a new book out titled Ivory and Ink. Stacy, tell me what the book's all about. So this book, it's set in Wales and England, specifically Oxford, set in the 1960s, and it's between a Welsh botanist and a medical student. And it's kind of a mix of historical fiction and pulls in the elements of botany, medicine, and spirituality. So it's two people that come together and find all of those things. Interesting. Stacy. what sorts of readers do you think would be really into Ivory and Ink? I think it would be really for anyone that's specifically looking to have spiritual uplift and a clean romance and history. So you got to tell me, where did the inspiration for this come from? How did the story come to you? You know, sometimes it just lands on me. (laughs) (laughs) The characters just kind of come to mind. And uh, specifically this one, the character of the medical student came from someone I was working with at the time, a pharmacist. I enjoyed being around him and appreciated just kind of his outlook on the world. And I was like, you know, he deserves a character. And so that's kind of where the character came from. And then the rest of the story just came from there. I love it. Did writing this and publishing it take you a long time, Stacey? The writing of this one took me six months. And then I submitted it to Christian Faith Publishing. And the production of it went from about mid-January to when it was released in November. Mm. And is this your first go at something like this? Have you ever written or published before? Technically, in in this format, this is the first, yes. Mm. I was a news writer in college. I did the front page articles, and I was also a part of the literary journal of the college I went to Mm. and had a couple poems in those as well. And writing fiction is a little different than what you've done before. Was that a challenge to make that jump? was a nice transition for me. I've always enjoyed writing. And the first thing I ever wrote that was fiction was probably between the ages of 13 and 16. Hmm. 
And there's nothing like seeing that finished product, that thing you've been working towards all that time. So, Stacy, whenever Ivory and Ink came in, finally, the physical copy, and you got to hold it for the first time, tell me about that moment. It was just a moment of gratitude for me. Mm. I first was excited to know that there was something out there that could give somebody a smile, mm. just holding the book like other authors have done for me. And the second thing I could think of is that it was a fulfillment of a dream I've had since I was three years old. (laughs) (laughs) Have you thought about more? Do you think you'll be writing and publishing more in the future? I actually have one in the works, yes. Hmm. We have another one with Christian Faith Publishing. Stacy, a lot of our listeners are authors who are just starting out and never written, never published before, but they want to get on that track. Do you have any advice that you could offer them? I honestly think my biggest piece of advice would be to go for it. Don't hesitate and to take that chance. Even, you know, sometimes rejections come, but that's kind of a part of the game along the way on the path of publication. So just keep going and keep trying to write and don't give up something that means so much to you. Great advice. Are you the kind of writer who likes to write a certain time of day, you know, like maybe early in the morning or late at night? Or do you find yourself writing whenever the inspiration and time are available to you? It's kind of a mix of all of those that you mentioned. Mm. For me specifically, I get a lot of inspirational ideas and creative bursts at night, but I kind of execute those during the day. (laughs) And it hits so many of us a lot of times. It's writer's block. Stacy, is that something that you get stuck on sometimes? Not very often. Sometimes I kind of fight that, like, I'm independent. I don't need to write right now. It's fine. <laughs> I have other things to do, even though I love it. It's, you know, the necessities of life kind of come into play. Mm. And then the ideas just kind of flow and pour down on me. And it's like, nope, you're writing right now. And it's like, okay, I understand. I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> I love the story. I love the message. And I think my listeners should check this book out. It's titled Ivory and Ink. It's written by Stacy Graven and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And of course, you can find this anywhere, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Stacy, thank you again for joining me, telling me about Ivory and Ink. I had such a nice time talking tonight. Thank you so much for having me. The book I have with me now stresses the importance of faith, religiosity, and spirituality. It's titled, A Case for Faith, Sharing Ancient Secrets for Longer Life, Health, and Happiness. This is written by Mark Mello, MD, and Mark is joining me here right now. We get to talk all about this book. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Yes, thank you. It's really exciting to get a new book out in stores, Mark. Tell me what you've written about here in A Case for Faith. Well, my primary purpose, really, of writing the book was to provide an up-to-date review of the medical literature demonstrating the positive effects of faith and spirituality on both our physical and mental health. And the reason I think this is important today, more than perhaps other times, is as a society, we are really in desperate need of a health fix. I mean, we are experiencing record levels of depression, addiction, and suicide. These have been actually appropriately described as the diseases of despair. And we have angry sociopolitical partisanship. 
And so I really wanted to review this and make it available to the public. I think most people are aware of the fact that various spiritual practices like meditation and mindfulness and yoga have positive health effects. But it turns out that there's actually a couple of thousand articles now in peer-reviewed medical literature that deal with the issue of faith and health, and the vast majority of them have a positive connection. I think that was actually a surprise to me when I first started researching it, just how many articles there were. And so I would think it also would be a surprise to the general public. Hmm. I could imagine this might have taken you a while to write and put together, Mark. I could imagine there was a lot of research involved. Am I right? Yes, there really was. I'm indebted to a librarian at the hospital that I had practiced in. I'm now retired, but she had just been a champion for me of every single like <laughs> she pulled 10 articles for me, and I'd say, Lisa, this is great. Could you get me another 10 articles? And so wound up probably reading three, 400 articles on the subject. Wow. Mark, what was the spark that inspired you, that made you think, hey, I got to sit down, I got to start this book and get this out to the world? Well, really, what I mentioned, I think our society is in, in significant trouble, mm. and I think that this is especially true in our younger generations. There was a study reported fairly recently where they were asking people how often they experienced the feeling of loneliness. And it turned out that millennials experienced the feeling of being lonely more than seniors who lived alone. So wow. clearly there's a problem there. I think that the marked incidence of depression and suicide, which has just recently been publicized as a result of a national study, is just incredibly alarming. Mm. And I think that a good part of this, I, certainly it's not only the case because we've got social media to blame. We've got lots of things that are going on in the lives of young people that didn't occur in the past. But I think another thing is really a reflection of a life view. In other words, if you are a member of a faith community, believe in faith, then you feel that there is a higher power who loves you and guides you through life and helps you when things are tough. And if you are an atheist, basically, you have the feeling that you are the latest in the line of hunter-gatherers, sort of the kill-or-be-killed mentality, and that you have a finite lifespan, and when you die, your body decomposes, and that's the end of the story. And I think that that distinct difference in life view is critically important in young people who are facing adversity, that things will get better. You're not alone. And in point of fact, if you don't have these beliefs, you are alone. Well, Mark, would you say then this is a book that atheists could pick up and it might sway them, might interest them in finding out more about God? Yes, I think perhaps I'm more optimistic on agnostics than atheists. Hmm. I think anybody who has a totally fixed view, and that probably holds true for religious fundamentalists also to some hmm. degree, but... If you have a particular view that I just know I'm right and you can't talk me out of it, then you can't talk them out of it. But I think there's a large number of people who are on the fence about faith. And, and so, yes, that would be definitely a group that I'd be interested in having read the book. I think a lot of readers are going to get a lot out of this book and should go check it out. It's titled A Case for Faith, Sharing Ancient Secrets for Longer Life, Health, and Happiness. This is written by Mark Mello, M.D., and it's published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Mark, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. Oh, thank you. Me too, Corey. Take care. Have a good day. There's a new novel out in stores right now. It's written by Shayla Faulkner. 
It's called Dawn of Transcendence. Really happy that Shayla is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We get to chat all about this book. Shayla, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. I'm excited to talk about this book, Dawn of Transcendence. Can you tell me what it's all about? Well, it takes place for a girl named Brayden Monroe, and pretty much is a journey for self-discovery. And she's recovering from a heartbreak, and she thinks that the stuff that's happening to her is contributing to stress and anxiety or just teenager stuff, but it's not. It's actually of supernatural nature. Mm-hmm. And she finds out that she has to discover who she is and accept who she is and her destiny ahead. Shayla, would you say then that readers of supernatural fiction would be fans of this? Yes, they would definitely be intrigued by it, and it has a lot of fantasy elements in it. And it's catered towards the young adult fantasy. That's what I wrote it for. And it's something that I myself would read if I weren't the author <laughs> of it. Because I think that's why I write fantasy because I love it. Because you can take, go to a different place, go to a journey. You don't have to be in the mundane area that or life that you're living or if it is mundane. But to me, mine is kind of. So that's why I love fantasy. So those who are enjoying fantasy can take a ride on the story. Yeah, that's pretty profound, Shayla. I've heard that before. Write a book that you would want to read yourself. So I think that's great. Absolutely. Write a book that, not that I'm saying this will, but hopefully it will. Confident. <laughs> write a book that you want to see on TV. That's what, I, that's what I did the whole time when I was writing this book. I wrote stuff out that I would, like, if you can actually see it being played physically in front of you. And you can enjoy that ride and all the elements, whether it be happiness, sadness, anger, suspense. I would think that you should write like that as you want to see it unfold right in front of you, as if you're watching a movie. I love it. Shayla, where'd you get the idea for this? How were you inspired to write this story? The story has a lot of Greek elements in it, because I would say Greek mythology kind of influenced me. It's not based completely in Greek mythology, but it has a lot of Greek elements. Mm. This story, I just kind of came up with it on my own, to be honest. It just, I kind of felt like, you know, what was it like to live a life that honestly you don't know is yours or where you come from and to always questioning your identity as a person or as a female in that matter. And then find out that the life that you're living or the life that you have lived is not truly the life that was set out for you. So that would be kind of cool to see it unfold. And I love to write the story and I love the twists and turns that I put in the story as well. So honestly, I get that question a lot. Like what what made you write the story? I was like, I don't know. I did something that you said, write a story. And this <laughs> time I just wrote a story and the idea just kind of just plucked out of my head. Once you started getting those ideas and you sat down to write, how long did this take you from that first step clear up until you published it? The reason why I started writing is that well, I've always been imaginative myself because being an only child, that's kind of how I learned to entertain myself. Hmm. Always had an imagination. And then one day, a friend of mine, we went to the library. And I always remember this. Went to the library and I saw a woman there. She was advertising for her book, like a book signing. I said, oh, What's that there? She was like, oh, no, this is my book. I wrote this. I was like, you wrote it? She was like, yeah. And she self-published and she showed me her notebook where she writes, like sometimes she gets ideas and she just writes it down for her next book. Mm -hmm. I said, that's pretty cool. So 
I would say the time for when I started this journey, it took me about eight years in total to actually write the book, to have it all published and everything. So it was definitely a labor of love. And definitely I took my time. I was definitely very anal about everything because I wanted it to be perfect. Though I feel like some things in life, especially when you're an artist, it's never going to be perfect. But I just really wanted everyone to enjoy the story. Took me a while, but I'm glad it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of readers are going to love this book, and I encourage my listeners right now to go and check this out. The title is Dawn of Transcendence. It's written by Shayla Faulkner, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. You can grab it up everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Shayla, thank you again for coming on the show, telling me about Dawn of Transcendence and what you got coming up. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you so much. I had a great time, too. Square pegs can't fit in round holes. Or can they? Well, this is the name of the new book in stores now, written by Janet Record, LCSW. I'm really happy that Janet is sitting here with me now, and we're going to talk all about the book. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about this book, Square Pegs Can't Fit in Round Holes, or Can They? What's this all about? It's about a little boy, and the characters are all in the form of little people, like children play with. And his peg is square instead of round, so he has a hard time fitting in with all the other little pegs. The bus only has round seats, and in the school there's round seats, and there's really round seats everywhere, so he has a hard time fitting in. Or can he? So that's his journey through figuring out how to fit into a world of round holes. I love it. Janet, what sorts of readers did you have in mind for this? Well, the target audience is children, but also parents of children, special needs children in particular, those that may be on the autism spectrum. Mm. But really, it could generalize to any child that feels he has a hard time fitting in. Oh, wonderful. Janet, what inspired you to write this book? What gave you the idea? Well, as a licensed clinical social worker, I was a school social worker for years, and I worked on a team called ADOS, which is the Autism Diagnostic Observation Scale. Mm -hmm. And with this team, we did assessments of children to determine if they would qualify for services, special educational services or specialized services for kids on the spectrum. So I worked with a lot of these kids and occasionally also had the pleasure of being able to provide social skills kinds of training for them. Oh, that's wonderful. Is this something you've ever done before? Is this your first time in the arena of writing and publishing, Janet? It is the first time officially publishing a book. You know, so many materials that I used as a school social worker, I had to create myself. So I was always creating little stories, but nothing on this scale. How long of an endeavor was this for you? Well, the truth is I got the idea years ago while I was working on this team, and it just kind of simmered for a long time. And then when I was playing with my grandchildren and the little people, it kind of formulated further, but I didn't really sit down and work on it until I retired in 2017. And then I wrote it almost in one setting because I'd I'd had all of these ideas. And I see this is illustrated by Jim Record. Can you tell me about that? My husband is a high school art teacher. And one of his favorite forms of art is cartooning. Hmm. So I asked him to collaborate with me and just kind of gave him a general idea of the kinds of pictures I wanted. And he took it from there. 
What was that moment like for you, Janet, when that day came? You got the first physical copy of Square Pegs Can't Fit in Round Holes, or can they? What was that moment like? Well, you know, I, I did this because it was fun to do, and the most fun was collaborating with my husband on it. But when I actually had a nibble and got this published, it was pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Now that you have a taste for publishing, do you think you want more, or do you have plans to maybe write another? Probably not. And I have some ideas, but I have so many other things that I'm invested in mm. that I, I won't say absolutely not, but not necessarily. When it comes to writing, what happens if you get writer's block? You sit down to write, but the words aren't hitting the page. How do you get past something like that? Well, you know, the case with this book, the ideas were already there. And by the time I got around to sitting down, they, they were just spilling out. Mm. So if I wrote another book, it would probably be the same thing. I'd get an inspiration. I'd let the ideas swim around for a long time. And by the time I sat down to write it, I think all the material would be there. It would just be a matter of putting it on paper. So you said this was a great collaboration with your husband. Were there other people around you who knew you guys were doing this and they could be there to kind of cheer you on and motivate you along the way? No, I really didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to be disappointed if it never got published. So I didn't share that with anybody, but I did really want to get the message out of this little boy's journey to not to deny his squareness, because he is unique and his squareness is to be celebrated, but just so that he could round out his edges when needed, when he wanted to fit in. Mm. Then he could go home and just be his wonderful square self. I know a lot of people are going to love this book and get a lot of benefit from it. It's titled, Square Pegs Can't Fit in Round Holes, or Can They? This is written by Janet Record, LCSW. It's published by Fulton Books, And you can grab it up anywhere, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or Google Play or at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Janet, thank you again for joining me here and telling me all about your work. I had a really nice time talking with you here tonight. Well, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.